Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Would you turn with me Proverbs chapter... As soon as I find the chapter, I'll tell you what chapter it is. 27. And there's going to be a second text, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 27 and Proverbs 4. The title of what we're sharing today is Serving from Experience. We're doing a journey of doing life together. And really session 23 today, Serving from Experience. Here it is, Proverbs 2 text. Proverbs 27 verse 19. As water reflects the face, I want you to note the second part. So one's life reflects the heart. Out of the heart, you live it out. So when you hear someone say something, but you don't see them do something, they don't really mean it. So one's life reflects the heart. How you live is a reflection of what's going on there. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for Everything you, what's the next word? Do. Flows from the heart. Your actions, your your service flows from your heart. So if there's no service, you know, as as late great David Maines, one of the greatest expressions he ever said, we need to be fruit inspectors. Inspect the fruit and you'll know the heart. See what comes out of the life. How their actions, not what they say. Words, you know, words can be meaningless if actions do not back it up. It's ultimately words, yes, words are, but actions. And so the heart will, the actions demonstrate what's going on inside the heart. We have been on this, uh, uh, the last four or five weeks, looking at shape. That God is developing our shape. S-H-A-P-E. And I've been taking the time to go through each one. And this was fairly new to me. I came across this in a study about a year ago. Shape. And I thought, oh, this is great. Because I like acronyms. Because I have a hard time remembering things. But if an acronym is there, I can better remember through an acronym. Thus, we did the prayer in January and February. And we used ACTS. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I can, I can track with those. When I, you, I'm letting you in, too vulnerable here. When I would study for exams and stuff, I had to find acronyms because I, I had a hard time. And so I had to find things that could take me through. And so the acronym shape really helps us to understand God's development of his plan and his purpose for you and I. S, the spiritual gifts. Those are divinely given by God. We spent some time, but those are spiritual gifts. Imagine what happens when you have a gift and you never unwrap it. Right? That's an insult. H is for heart, and that deals with your passion. What stirs you? We are all stirred in lesser and greater ways. What stirs your heart? That's a part of God's development in you. That's not an accident. A, abilities. And they are given from birth. And we have uniquenesses in our abilities. 
what we can do, what we can't do. P's personality. We talked of personality last week. And personality is the DNA that's uniquely making you. Remember, we are 10 to the power 2.4 billion uniqueness in our DNA. And therefore, the personality, we can't just say, oh, that's just who I am. No personalities. Your personality that God has given, but you choose how to grow that personality. And that's a choice. And it's going to be grown in the context of other people. So that's been, there's a number of things that when we can talk, we, we're going to be able to look back to 2020 and 2021. And there's going to be all kinds of things we're going to talk about down the road. I'm really convinced of that. You know, typically we look back to certain um, events, whatever those are, and the things we've learned, the things that we should have done different. Uh, and the, the isolation has been difficult in developing some of these things in the context of the body because God really meant for the body to connect with each other. So we've had to be creative in how to connect with each other. And, and I think we've done a decent job. Uh, God has provided in the midst of. But having said that, our personality is fine-tuned in the context of other people. Because guess what? We all have a ton of blind sides to us. We can't see a lot of ourselves properly. And so God puts people in my life, and he just, they show me what I don't see very well. And usually it's not a pleasant experience at, at the time. But having chosen, making right choices to go through it, he develops personality. Um, there's a book I recommend. It was on a podcast a couple of months ago. It's called A Work of Heart by Reggie McNeil. Understanding How God Shapes Spiritual Leaders. It's a leading book uh, used worldwide. Uh, particularly in student context for those studying for leadership. A work of heart, Reggie McNeil, for your information. While there are illegitimate parents, there are no illegitimate children. God made you so he could love you. We could sit on that for a while. God made you for the purpose of loving you. We are products of our past, but we do not have to be prisoners of our past. God has a place for every one of you in the church where your special abilities can shine and where you can make a difference. Every single person, man, woman, child, teenager, elder, you were created, saved, and called to live a life to serve, to serve others. Living fruitful lives requires us to freely give our fruit away. Trees don't consume their own fruit. An apple tree does not consume its own apples. A banana tree does not consume, a grape tree does not consume its own grapes. The purpose of your fruit is for someone else. That's the purpose of it. So, you know, this <laughs> is the old expression. So stop consuming your own fruit. Your spiritual gifts are not given for your own consumption, but so they can benefit someone else. If others don't use their gifts, you are cheated. And if you don't use your gifts, you're cheating someone else. And we need to discover, to develop, and to use the gifts that God has given us. That's what we've been talking about the last number of weeks. It's kind of been straight at us, but you know, in so doing... 
Therein lies your greatest fulfillment. It's more blessed to what? Than to receive. And if we don't understand the giving part, what do I have to give? Because many people disqualify the thing I don't have. I disqualify. And God is saying, no, no, no. <laughs> You're not disqualified. You're still in the game. And let me show you how. And that's what we've been doing. We've been trying to say, here's how you're shaped. And therein, you will find fulfillment. Tremendous fulfillment. I, if, if we had twice the length of time, I would share personal stories of areas of fulfillment in where, when I just began to serve, when I look back to it, that Times where they were the great events where I received, they were okay. But the ones where I knew I made an impact, I knew somehow I helped someone. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that make me fulfilled in life. And they do to all of us. That's fulfillment. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You have been shaped by your experiences in life. And so the topic today is really around the experiences. Experiences mold us. In determining your shape for serving God, I want to take a quick peek at six kinds of experiences from your past. I've identified these six as what shapes all of us. Here they are. Number one, your family experiences. Your family of origin has shaped you into something unique to this moment. For good and bad. Number two, your educational experiences have shaped you. You know, it's valuable. And actually, we're going to do this on, I invite you to join me on my, my Zoom study group on Wednesday night. I just email either the church or myself before Wednesday night. Study group, DLT. We're actually going to be going down through these six right here because we're going to give identification to each one. But in educationally, our educational experiences are part of what shapes us. Number three, our vocational experience, the jobs where you've been effective, where you've worked, the jobs that you have been a part of. Number four, your spiritual experiences, uh, your times with God, your spiritual context with other believers, your spiritual experiences have shaped you. Number five, your ministry experiences, where you've served God in the past has been a part of your shaping. And number six, painful experiences, problems, hurts, thorns, trials, painful experiences. Now, of all these six experiences that have shaped you into what you are right now, this moment, which of those do you think God uses most to shape you? Talk to me. The last one. Painful experiences. Yeah. God uses painful experiences most to shape. If you, if you want to, you're saying, where are you coming up with that? then read the Bible. Read the Bible and the person who was used at whatever capacity they were used, how did they get to that place? And you back it up and if you have enough history, you'll realize God's shaping them, shaping them, shaping them all the way back, all the way back. Noah, how he shaped him. Abraham, how he shaped him in the land of Ur and his father, how he shaped him to come to the promised land. Moses in the bulrushes and, and Pharaoh's courts. God, painful, painful. The desert, painful. David, painful, forgotten of the sons of, of his father and, and, and left, but 
shaping him, shaping him, his brother rejecting him before Goliath and him being chased by Saul for year after year, experience after experience to become the greatest king Israel has ever known. Follow all of them. Paul, his pharisaical background, shaping him to be the one who helped us understand doctrine. You go through each person, you realize the painful experiences are the greatest way God shapes you. Wow. And uh, there's an expression out there, it's God never wastes a hurt. Do you believe it? (laughs) Who better to minister to a developmentally challenged person than somebody who's been through it? Who's better to minister to those who are grieving because of broken relationships than somebody who's gone through a bitter divorce? On and on. Doesn't mean that others can't minister in that capacity. But out of that experience, experience, that's what we're dealing, E and shape, experience, God has shaped you for something. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Um... I heard someone once say, if you really desire to be used of God, you must understand a powerful truth. The very experiences that you have resented or regretted most in life, the ones you've wanted to hide and forget, are the experiences God wants to help, to use to help others. They're your ministry. Hmm. For God to use painful experiences, here's the problem. If you hide them, if you bury them, if you're unwilling to share them, they can't be used. So here's the suggestion. Let God flow through those experiences and touch lives. And I'm going to suggest every one of us, young and old, even if you're a teenager or child here, you've got some stuff going on. Out of that, God's going to use that. He wants to use it. Now, not to come out and gripe about the problem, Because you have to begin to be healed in those experiences. But in the healing process of that, now you have something to offer others who likewise experience. You have to stop covering them up. you got to begin to honestly admit where the faults were. Honestly admit where those failures were. Honestly admit the fears. Last week we talked about our inner core pains. you got to find them. Lori and I spent probably an hour yesterday talking about our inner core pains because we identify, we we triggered ourselves this past week again. Here we were, we were doing a fear dance this past week. And afterward, we're going, okay, (laughs) we've got to learn from this. I had this pushed. That was the trigger. Yeah, I had this pushed. And we began to do a fear dance back and forth. And that's what happened in our conversation that began to take place. Grow from that. You can't if you don't admit it, if you don't see it, if you don't own up to it, if you don't, don't grow from and find healing in those places. Sharing how God's grace helps you in your weakness. You know what? Most people aren't so concerned about you boasting about all the great things you've accomplished. Most people don't grow from me sharing my success stories. Most people grow when I share where there's been failure and I have found God's grace is sufficient in the midst of it song we sang, Christ is enough. When we were singing that song, Colin, I just changed a few words in that. I was saying, uh, Christ, you're enough for me. I just, I just changed it. made it mine. Christ, you're enough for me. Because in all those experiences, you've been there and you are enough. I don't have to look beyond you. 
The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, follow with me on this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. He's talking about some serious troubles. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. He was ready to die. He just wanted to die. We despaired of life itself. That's a nice way of saying it. We despaired of life itself. Nine. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Now, I ask you, what would happen if Paul kept all these experiences to himself? If he kept all his doubts? Paul struggled with depression. Read his stories. He struggled with depression. And if he never shared it, millions would never have been helped. Beloved, your experiences, God is in the midst of those experiences for you to touch others. Think about how many people you could touch and minister, and make a difference. People I'll never touch. People books will never touch. People conference speakers will never touch. They don't cross paths and sectors in those lives, but you do, and for a reason. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because it's them. Your experiences have been given as a source to shape their lives too. Remember, experience is not what happened to you, but what you do with what happened to you. Okay? Do that one again. Experience is not what happened to you, but what you do with what happened to you. Uh, what will you do with what you've been through? Don't waste the pain. Help others with what you have learned. I'm going to share three things. Here they are. Number one, so discover your shape. It's good to read biographies. I like reading biographies. I, I really do, and I think they're important. But discover your shape. I discovered that often in biographies, it's important that after reading their story, I can better understand my story. Discover your shape. Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will for you is. So get to understanding that. So start by assessing your gifts and your abilities. Ask questions like, where have I seen fruit in my life that maybe others have confirmed? Where have others seen something there in me? Where have I been successful? Where have I made a difference? One of the best ways to discover your abilities is to gift experiment. Experiment with things. Experiment with different areas of service. I, I can't say this enough. I, any of us here, but I could have taken 100 gift profiles as a young man and still missed most of what I am doing today. Because I got to simply try things. You got to try it. And so I'm going to just throw that, you got to try it. So often we hold back, we hold back, we hold back, we don't get involved, we don't serve because we're waiting for that perfect thing. Can I just challenge you? Look wherever there's a need and just step in and say, can I help? 
How can I help? And start serving there. And there's so many different ways that you can just step out. Things you've never tried. Just experiment. You know, failure is not a failure because you didn't try. You've got to try. And so you step into them and take a look and you just, again, step in and try things. Try things you've never tried before. No matter how old you are, try. Never stop experimenting. Why? Because I believe there's dozens of hidden abilities and gifts we don't know even exist. It's true with me and still is. Still things discovered that I didn't know exist. But I simply tried came on the need, so I stepped in and I tried. It's easy to pull back and to say, no, that's not my place. Now, I know I have an ability with music. I was born with that ability, with an ear for music. And when we went into the pandemic here, I purposed, and I haven't for five years prior to last summer, picked up my guitar on a Sunday morning. I used to do it a fair bit. Uh, both my children have ear for music. Both of them play in bands and, and stuff. And, and But I chose, I didn't want to, do, I want I want to, preach. I enjoy music. I enjoy playing. enjoy leading. But what happened in the pandemic, all of a sudden a need came up. Because if you remember, <laughs> a number of our people moved away. Just boom, boom, boom. All over. Our worship people left. Moved. And there was a need sitting there. And we had blessed with Colin coming in and helping out. But there was a need there that's, that remains. And so I looked at that and I was like, well, who's next? And I began to ask, began to ask. And it's fine. The Holy Spirit was saying, Hello? Why don't you pick up your guitar? Why don't you just lead in worship? Just like you do at home, because I do it most of the time at home, picking up on the keys or on the, on the guitar. Just, just lead. Just lead. And Lori's got a great voice, and, and, and so we said, you know what? We can on Zoom, and if you were watching, we'll just do it on Zoom. We'll just do pre-programming, because I don't have a strong voice, so if I lead, I can't preach, because I lose my voice. And so we began to do that. The point was, did I want to? Did I naturally gravitate? No. I did everything for five years to avoid that because I want others, because I don't need to do that. I want others. Others can do it. Rise up, rise up, rise up, psalmists. Rise up, singers. Rise up, musicians. I don't have to do that. But the Lord nudged me and says, but I've given you the ability, and it's not up to you, catch this, when to use it. If you have it, use it whenever there's a need, and there was a need. So don't you say when you use it, I gave it to you, you just use it. And I'm going to put that out, that things that God has given and abilities and the shaping that he's placed in your life, that's why I'm not a strong proponent of saying, oh, I'm going to volunteer once a month. I'm going to volunteer once every five weeks. I'm not a strong proponent of that. Never been. Why? I understand, I understand the core behind it. I'll explain that in a minute. I'm not a strong proponent of that. Here's why. Because I've just said how often I'm going to use my gift that God gave me. And I don't have a right to do that. If somebody needs my gift, I'll give it every day. Not when I choose to give my gift. You see, you hear what I'm saying? I serve based on his service to me. Because he flows through me to help you. And I'm not going to pick and choose. However, there's people in, catch this. There's other people with other giftings. Their job is to keep an eye on you to make sure you're not burning out. And they will place you in proper categories. But you give it as often as you can and then trust God to put other people in your life to put you into the right place so you don't fizzle out. And he does. My job's not to do that, though. My job is just to serve, just to give what he has given me. 
And in that, you begin to do those things. And so, I can't teach, somebody says. Well, have you tried? Maybe give it a shot. Sometimes you do better if you're teaching older people than younger people. Sometimes it's really good. You're really good with the younger one. Put you in front of older one, and it's like, oh, no, they're going to judge me. Younger ones love me. Older ones don't. So you're good with the younger ones. What about leading? Try your hand at leading. Try your hand at organizing. Try your hand at playing an instrument. Now, I'm going to stop short at saying try your hand at singing because that becomes really, really obvious. But try your hand at something. Try your hand at something, and God will navigate you through the experience, your experiments to where he wants you to be involved. When it doesn't work out, call it an experiment. Don't call it a failure. <laughs> and you will eventually learn what you're good at. Secondly, consider your heart and your personality. Galatians 6.4 in the Message Bible says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into it. Hmm. Careful exploration of who you are, the work you've been given. Dive in. Dive in. This is where it helps to get feedback from those who are in your life. To be answering questions like, well, what do you enjoy? What do they see you enjoy? What makes you feel fully alive? Do you prefer doing it with the team or do you prefer being by yourself? Are you more introverted or extroverted? Are you a thinker? Are you a feeler? Those kind of things. Next one, examine your experiences and extract the lessons you have learned. Here's something I think is really important. It's, good, it's, it's a good reason to keep some type of a journal or record of life experiences. So you don't forget them. Someone said this, forgotten experiences are worthless. So don't forget them. Good or bad, but forgotten experiences are worthless. They're of no value anymore. So do what you can to remember them. The Apostle Paul worried about this very thing when he wrote the believers in Galatia about their pain that they had been through. And here's what Paul said in Galatians 3, 4. Watch this. Have you experienced so much in vain. That's exactly what Paul would say. Guys, you went through this horrible experience, and was it for nothing? Was it for nothing? We rarely see God's good purpose in pain or failure or embarrassment while it's happening. Jesus would even tell Peter. So Jesus is washing Peter's feet, and Jesus would say to Peter, he would say this, Peter, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. You see, during the moment, you don't get it. So don't get bent out of shape. God will show you later. Go through those moments, and the Holy Spirit will show you. So discover your shape. Number two, accept and enjoy it. <laughs> it's not meant to make you miserable. It really isn't. It's meant to fulfill you. And there should be joy that flows out of it. might not be the first time. You might be scared, spitless the first time but it will find its place of enjoyment in your life. Romans 9, 20. But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and others for common use? You see, it's up to the potter to decide what goes where. I was just actually talking with somebody this past week, and we were, and I given them the, there's two clips on right now media, and it's called The Potter. 
And I asked them to watch it, and we talked about it afterward. And we talked about what they call pulling in pottery. Now, pulling in pottery, when you're working on, on the vase, it's, it's where you reach inside and with your finger, and on the outside, and you do it at the same time. You pull up. And what happens, a vase that, that's this high, the clay is this high, now goes to this high, because you're pulling it up. It's called pulling. And the thing is, is while the potter was doing this, in the, on the shelves behind the potter, they had little tiny ones, and they had big ones. And the point is, is it's not up to the potter to determine what it's going to look like. So I might say, I want, I want to be that one. But it's up to the potter to shape you the way he wants to shape you. It's his design. And so in this, we have accept and enjoy it and trust him. The other big take home when the potter, that, that story of the potter, is he has his furnace. And he puts all the different pieces that he has shaped into the furnace. He fires it up. He closes the door. And he takes it to a certain heat. Now, if the pots could speak, which we're glad they don't. If the pots could speak, they'd be thinking, he's forsaken me. What's he doing to me? Where is he? I can't stand this. He needs to turn the heat down. He's not watching out for me. I thought he was going to look out for me if the pots could speak. But what they don't know is the potter is watching through these little holes and he is watching the temper, temperature meticulously. And he is making sure it is evenly distributed. And there's places he's pulling out bricks so that the air gets into that area. He's watching. The clay can't see him. Oh, what a story. Because the Bible talks about he's potter where the clay. And so we get bent out of shape. He's, he, I'm going through too much. Where are you? No, he's watching you. And he is watching over you. Every detail, you're in his sight. You can't see him but you're in his sight. And that heat is meant to shape you. When he, when he brings the pots out of the furnace and he places them beside those that didn't go to the furnace, there is a striking difference. Huge difference. The furnace did the work it was meant to do versus if you refuse to go through the furnace. So that's what Paul was saying in there. Who are you to say to the potter, why did you make me like this? It's not your call. What your call is, is to embrace what he is doing now in your life. Embrace it. Ephesians 4, 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And there are some who are getting more grace because of their experience. They're requiring more grace than others. Part of accepting your shape is recognizing your limitations. Nobody is good at everything. No one is called to be good at everything. We have defined roles. Be good at what you are shaped for. Paul would state this in 2 Corinthians 10, 13. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that includes you. Note that part. He says, listen, we're not going to boast beyond what we can't do. There are things God made for me to do. That's my job. I'm assigned that. We are confined, we confine our boasting to the sphere of service he's assigned us. So that means there's a sphere. There's a sphere around me. That's my job. That's my service. I, and we hear gift projection where I begin to try to tell you, you should be like me. 
No, 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 no. What's your sphere? And then you being assigned that, that's where your boasting should be. We aren't all things to all people. Your shape determines your specialty. When you overextend your ministry reach, that's when you'll experience burnout and stress. I don't believe a child of God should ever burn out. When they do, it's because they're on an overreach somewhere. But in where God is assigned, you can pour yourself in. You won't burn out in that area. You won't burn out because their fulfillment flows back. It's a reciprocal thing. It flows back in. Just as a runner needs to be content when they run, they better stick in their own lane. That's their lane. Not that lane, that lane, that lane. <laughs> they don't run in everybody's lane. Run your lane well. Run your lane. Hebrews 12, 1. That's where we get this. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked for who? You. For you is your race. There are two reasons why you should never compare yourself, your shape, your ministry to others. Two simple reasons. You know this. I'm going to just say them, though. Number one, you will always be able to find someone else who does a better job, and you'll get discouraged. Don't compare yourself. Or, number two, you'll always find someone who doesn't do a good job, and you're going to get stuck up on how good you're doing. And that's not good either. So stop comparing. Focus on how he has shaped you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. Hmm, good word. You will always find others who do not understand your shape. And you will always find others who will criticize what you're doing. That's okay. That's all right. And they'll try to get you to conform to what they think you should be doing. Here's my word for you. Ignore them. Like the Apostle Paul, make your response to such. Avoid comparisons, resist exaggerations, and seek God's commendation for what you're doing and being shaped for. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, he would say this, quote, If my life is fruitless, it doesn't matter who praises me. And if my life is fruitful, it doesn't matter who criticizes me. Discover your shape. Accept and enjoy your shape. It's for your enjoyment. And lastly, keep developing your shape. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 1.9, he says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. When anything's mentioned twice, it means you can just keep saying it more and more and more and more in knowledge, in depth of insight. He would say to young Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, he says, for this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. In other words, Timothy, this is a starting point, but you've so much farther to go. Grow, grow, develop it, grow in it. We know this in life. If you don't exercise your, spiritual, your, your physical muscles, they will weaken and they will atrophy. Likewise, if you don't utilize the abilities and gifts that God has given you, his shape that he's given you, if you don't exercise it, if you don't use it regularly, you'll lose them. That's why I'm not a strong proponent of us picking and choosing you know, in distant moments of time when we're going to use it. Use it regularly and you'll be stronger as you use it more regularly.
If you use what God has given you, he'll give you more. You want more of God's blessing? Give away what you have. Because he's not going to give you more if you haven't used what he already gave you. So if he's giving you that first morsel of whatever it is, burn it up. And you'll discover grace will give you the next part. And the more you use, the more you give, the more you exert and, and serve his grace. My grace is sufficient. And it will pour in. The more you use, the more you'll receive. You want to get highly blessed? Get highly involved. It's the best way to get highly blessed. You don't want to get much blessing? Stand back and watch from the bleachers. Because you're not using it. And so there's not much having to flow through you. There's no blessing and giftings and abilities flowing from him through you to others. And so it remains on the tree. Hmm. So whatever gifts you have been given can be enlarged and developed through practice. Uh, no one gets the gift of teaching fully developed. No one starts teaching their first class and is a great teacher. <laughs> they grow into a great teacher, right? You can take that to everything. They grow into a master teacher. Don't settle for half-developed gifts. Stretch yourself. Learn all you can. 2 Timothy 2, 5, 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth, okay? Catch that. Don't present yourself as just one, just approved, does not need to be, uh, just doing part way through. Take advantage of every training opportunity. Take advantage to grow. Take advantage to exercise. Take advantage to get involved. Develop your shape. Sharpen your skills. Serve. You know, 1 Corinthians 9.25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do so to get a crown that will not last, but we do so to get a crown that will last forever. You know, this body will pass away. It's not only what I do to serve people right here now, but what I do now determines my crown for later. There's a direct correlation. And it's good to learn from it. This past week, I had one of the greatest experiences. Uh, my cousin, uh, her father was big into, uh, they were the family that had the money. You know, you got, you got somebody in your family who has the money? They were the ones who had the money. And, and so way back then, he had this, he had the best camera. We, I, uh, we didn't have a camera, you know, forever. One of those cameras, remember, he held down here? Um, they had a camera, and they had a movie camera. And I didn't realize this, but she just sent it, Nancy, my cousin, just sent it to me, uh, was it Monday or Tuesday? There were eight or nine clips. She was going through uh, her father. I, I was part of this funeral services of both my aunt and uncle. And they've been uh, with the Lord for some time now. But she was going through her old stuff and seeing these old movies, these old little clips, tons of these clips. Uncle Ron took a ton of them. And she found some of the farm. We grew up in a century-old farm. And some of us of us and my parents and different people. And so she sent us, myself, my siblings, um, nine clips, eight or nine clips. And they were really good. The, my favorite. And I was really chunky when I was a child. Oh, my goodness. I sent it to my mom. We were watching yesterday again. And, and she agreed with me. I'm like, mom, don't agree with me. You're supposed to say, oh, no, you were the cutest little kid. Don't agree that I was a fat little boy. Anyway, sorry. But here's my favorite. 1942. 
my grandpa. My grandpa, Grandpa Lucas, Jim Lucas, my grandpa. Now, I never knew him. He died in 52. And I've seen black and white pictures. There's grainy at that, him at a distance. And, and so my grandpa Jim just, of course, never knew him, 52. Uh, but this was him and my grandma's 25th wedding anniversary, 1942. 25th wedding, and it was in color. Uh, and, uh, and this person, so there, and it was at the old schoolhouse, which we've gone back just a few years ago. I booked it, and we still have reunions there. It's the schoolhouse. Oh, I can tell you so many stories. Forgive me. They, they renovated the schoolhouse back, what was that, Lori? Maybe 20, 25 years ago. They renovated the schoolhouse. They removed some, some of the panel walls, and behind the panel wall was a blackboard, and the blackboard had the original chalk writing of the students in the class, 1904. And the top name was Jim Lucas. My, my grandpa. Isn't that cool? And they framed it now. They framed this whole, and all the students of that right there. And that's cool. And that school is a historic place, and, and I used to go and play baseball there, and there's all kinds of things, and meetings would take place there, and potluck suppers would take place there. In front of the schoolhouse, was 1942, the 25th anniversary, and so there was a scanning, and they went down through everybody, and there was my grandpa and grandpa, and, and motion picture in color. And we scanned through and I couldn't believe it. And I was meant, I've watched it so many times. And I don't get really caught up in pictures, but I've watched this over. His, he snuck two kisses in that little scan to his wife. He was a character. I never knew him. Never knew him. And my dad died when I was 27 years old and never, didn't talk about my grandpa. So I don't know grandpa. My mom never knew him. So, like, who's grandpa? And that little scan going down, my dad was 17 years old in the back, big red hair in the back. And, and scanned down through, and then it scanned back again. It came back past. And I showed my son. He was doing editing. He's a, an editor. And so he was editing and putting music to it and, and putting words up on it. And I was showing him, and, he, and I was watching, because we're on Zoom together, and I was watching him watching it for the first time, and he was enthralled. He kept going back, kept going back. He was doing the same thing I did. And then my oldest sister got back with me this morning, and I was reading her. She says, I can't get over Grandpa, 1942. And she's watched it over. And I'm thinking all of us are having our own experiences with Grandpa from 1942. And it's part of the shaping of me. It helps me put in one more little piece of the puzzle together of me. Part of a strand of history for God's purpose in my life. And I want to say we all have it. We, whatever the stories are, are our stories. But don't waste the story. Don't waste what the generation may or may not have planted before and before and before. But here you are today, meant, we all are meant to make a difference for the king. Because this body and this world here will pass away. If you ever question it, really, go to Europe. Go to the Middle East and you'll see civilization upon civilization upon civilization that has passed away and gone. It will pass away should the Lord tarry. But what I do today will make a difference for eternity. What you do will make a difference for eternity. How God shapes you. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. 
remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.